This is the Voices of Reason podcast. Your host, Ryan, John, Sam, Andy, and Nick will guide you through the constantly evolving wide world of sports coverage while leaning on their past athletic experience and sports journalism backgrounds. From the latest news to controversial topics, this unscripted everyman sports show will test your fandom and acumen no matter your preferred playing surface. And when the show is over and the dust settles, continue the conversation on our social media networks at Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook at VOR Sports. So grab a carpet square and settle in for the heartland of sports talk broadcasting from Northeast Ohio. The time to turn up the voice is now. Hello and welcome to the Voices of Reason. I am Ryan Keller. Today we have John, Sam, and Andy. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We took a little break off. Um, we had some scheduling issues over the 4th of July weekend. Because of America. Hashtag America. So so we're back with you guys. Hope you enjoyed your holiday. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Um, we're going to switch things up a little bit today. Um, it's, not, a, not a whole lot to talk about. It's kind of slow. In July. This is a notoriously slow period for sports during the yeah, year. We so. picked a really bad time to try to start a sports podcast. <laughs> we have basically, we, what, three major sports in the offseason. Yeah, we caught, we caught all the championships right at the very end, and now we're we're trying to figure out what to talk about. Content, people. Content. So instead of us doing a show of just rambling on, talking about a whole bunch of stuff, trying to fill time, we're going to do what we love. Yell at each other. Which is randomly fill the time with talking, <laughs> with no agenda. True. We're gonna give. We're gonna force some points of departure on ourselves. Very true. So we're gonna jump into Andy's voices of reason, and we're gonna go at it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. I have to make sure that if we are ever monetized, that we are immediately demonetized by playing that on every single show. If we ever are monetized, I just want to say that uh, I will be sad because we will be limited to what we can use. But at the same time, until we are, um, that's still really cool. I we can it. do that. I just like that we use the word monetized. That's cool, too. It is. It makes us sound professional. Hey, we've come a long way since show one. <laughs> really? We have. I think we've gotten progressively worse. From recording with four microphones hooked into an iPad into another little thing to actually having a mixing board and a nice laptop and a headphone amplifier. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Modern Head- technology is amazing. You can do whatever you want. Amplifier, so. As long as you have the money for it. That is true. Monetize. Monetize us. <laughs> Pay us. We, we are get a loan from Brian Satina Incorporated. There it is. There is the BC lane. Hey, we got to get one in every single time. He listens to the show and he loves it. Does he though? He, he listens, listens on his vacation, couple. which is all the he, time. Apparently. Oh, he's. I didn't realize he was lacking. He doesn't listen. Uh, he's okay. too busy at work. Okay. Not being on PTO. <laughs> uh, all in good fun. Hi, Brian. 
Hi, Brian. All right. So you guys want to talk? About, you guys want to talk about some sports? I think it's it's time to just dive right in. Let's okay, let's Michael do it. Phelps. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going to switch up the format of the on the record segment for this time and going forward because previously when I changed it, I let them have a little bit more power in picking their own questions. But I got the power. I discovered Sorry. a flaw in the system. So, in order to in order to uh, script better questions, more detailed questions, I'm switching the format again and giving them more choices and freedom and power over their own destiny and asking questions in this segment. Outstanding. So at the risk of turning this into a game show, you're yes. actually going to get categories to choose from. Love and it. the reason I did this <clears throat> is because the original format was, you know, pick a number between 1 and 16 and, and you get a sports question, right? Well, what if you picked a number and the question was something that you had no idea what was going on or you just didn't care, like if it was basketball or maybe you, you know, I ask a question about a free agent pickup that you were just like, oh, I don't know anything about that. So I didn't like want, most of all the things we talk about. I didn't run. I didn't want to run into that wall and handcuff people. So I'm going to give you the choice of what you want to, uh, to talk about. So does, would anybody like to go first? I would love to go first. Okay. So this is a prototype, and you can't see it for the followers at home, but we now have an actual board to oh, pick snap. from. So these are your categories. We have the four major sports <laughs> plus a random fun one. And uh, there's uh, three questions. Is that sign trade cut? Or sign cat? trade cut. That okay. is the sports version of F. Mary Kill. I was just going to ask that so question. This I love kind, it. This gotcha. <laughs> This, this actually kind of reminds me of whose line is it anyways, where it, you do the challenges and the points don't really matter. Points don't matter. <laughs> Wait, then why are there point values assigned to this? Uh, arbitrary. Arby's is good. Yeah. Just something for you to look at, visualize, and choose so that I can actually, you know, they're, they're dollar amounts now. Tomorrow they might be something else like Monopoly money or Foxy Bucks. Who knows? Outstanding. What's a Foxy Buck? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I will go off the beaten path here and choose football for 300 what ball for 300 is the first choice of the new formats? John. Present. Which, which NFL player is on your radar this year as a potential comeback player of the year? I think in my piece that I did my way too early predictions for 2019, I think I picked Jimmy Garoppolo, so I have to stick with that. Um, I think this year we're going to get the, the season we were promised last year out of Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. They're low-key one of my favorites in the NFC. I'm not saying that they're going to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl or anything like that, but I think they're a very strong candidate from a worst-to-first scenario. Um, I, I really think that Jimmy Garoppolo, having sat behind Tom Brady for the long the time that he did, got a chance to kind of see what it means not only to be a, an elite quarterback but to be professional in the league. Um, I really liked him. I, I, he was kind of on that short list of guys that the Browns were looking at before they discovered Baker Mayfield. So I think that Jimmy Garoppolo – kind of has all the power this season to, to take that title of, of comeback player and really make some noise like he was supposed to last year. I agree with that. Uh, the 49ers are actually one of my choices to be a turnaround team this year. I picked the Bears last year. That was that surprised even me. I didn't think that was going to come to fruition. But if I were to take a wild shot at picking a team and a player that might be a formidable comeback this year, I'd probably have to agree with you. Does anybody else have a take? I'll go ahead and say uh, A.J. Green in Cincinnati. Not that I know that the team is going to be very good, but he had been uber productive for, you know, however many years. You know, what, 2010, 11? What year was he drafted? He was drafted in 2011. I no, believe. no, he was 2010. He was with Joe Hayden. Yeah, this will be his 10th year in the league. Yeah. And he's been super productive despite having 
nothing. Pretty, I mean, very mediocre quarterback play. Andy Dalton is pretty much, you know, at this point he is what he is, and he's probably not going to get any better. But A.J. Green is kind of like the, the heart and soul of that team, and if they want to be successful, he definitely needs to have a good season. I think A.J. Green reminds me a lot of Calvin Johnson, not so much from a pure talent standpoint because Megatron obviously is superior in every way, but he's kind of wasted his entire career with middle-of-the-road guys, average coaching, nothing really to kind of compliment him. Um, you know, Joe Mixon's been a pleasant surprise outside of being an absolute garbage human being, but his on-field production has, has kind of warranted the Bengals taking a chance on him. So outside of that, though, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. He's he's put up some great numbers with some absolutely subpar talent around him, especially the guy throwing the ball, but it's eventually going to catch up to him, and I, I just don't see – I think the, the, the tread on the tire is starting to get a little light uh, for A.J. Green, and I'm not saying that this will be a swan song, but I just don't expect big things from him. My issue with Jimmy Garoppolo, though, is, in, you know, let's call him George Kittle here in Anomaly. You know, Probably think so. Again, but, yes. Who else, who else is on that team? Like – Jarek McKinnon. Who ended up, you know, getting George hurt Brita. last year. I think uh, Dante Pettis Kittle. could have a breakout year. But that's a, I mean, that's a lot of ifs for it, a lot of guys that you don't know anything sure. about. I, I like what they're doing out there. I, I think we all kind of rolled our eyes when they named John Lynch as the, the general manager, and, and who knows how he's going to be ultimately. But, you know, I, I think they've got a lot of good pieces. Uh, defensively, their front seven's pretty good. Um, it's not fantastic, but I think that they've got enough pieces out there. I, I really think that once you solve the quarterback problem, a lot of your other problems tend to be a little less glaring. Look at Cleveland last year. They didn't have world beaters at wide receiver. I mean, they had um, Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway starting for the most part, and Callaway had no business starting, especially early in the season, but he made the most out of the guys around him. He's got significant upgrades this year, so I think that Garoppolo can do something similar in San Francisco where he can kind of elevate the play of the guys around him. Ryan, do you have a take? So, so what qualifies for comeback player? I know um, where you're going with this. Missed a lot of time last year. Maybe had a really bad season. I, I hate to say it, but lay me on back. That's exactly who I was going to say next, and I was going to ask the same question. I love qualifies. it. I mean, a guy who didn't play a single down last year, it'll be interesting to see if he misses a step, if he comes back to the form that he was in before he decided to sit out an entire season. Uh, at, at the running back position, not taking foot – like, I can understand you working out but not being in football shape is a little different. Um, you hear that talked about a lot. I think he can start off kind of slow, and people are going to give him a little bit of a leeway. But, I, I mean, if he plays the same way that he played in Pittsburgh, there's no reason for him not to have another good year. He'll be the best back in football this year. I can agree with that because missing time is as a running back is not, detriment, not detrimental to your uh, on-the-field um, I mean, just look at Adrian Peterson as a good example. He's missed tons of time, both because of injury and because nobody wanted him. I mean, Marshawn Lynch took, was it one full season or two? I think one. And then, and then came back, and it didn't look like he missed much of a step. Uh, I mean, he was on a, a kind of subpar team, um, but he still pulled out beast mode when he needed to. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know John's big on Darnold out there. If they could, Very much so, yes. If, if they could have an offense where they're not throwing eight guys in the box, where they're not stopping him with the run because the pass isn't there. But again, do so much coming out of the backfield. It'll be a good check down for Darnold. Um, so I'm picking Mr. Le'Veon. Awesome. 
All right, just to close out that portion of the segment, I just want to say that uh, Adam Gase as a head coach for the New York Jets scares the bejesus out of me. I would not want to be a fan of that team this year. All right, who would like to pick the next topic for us to discuss? Sam or Ryan? I I don't care. I can go. I I was going to say. Go ahead, Ryan. Who picked that one? Which one? Anyone. That one. I mean, John went football. I kind of think. Here we go. I should go. That one, but I'll, I'll go sign trade cut. Yes, Man, that's where I was for what? Go. Two bills. Sign trade cut for two hundred. This is the section where we are going. I'm going to give you three players or individuals, and you're going to tell me who you would sign, who you would trade, and who you would cut. And you have to designate one for each. There's no breaking the rules. All right. Do we do we have to pick who we would trade for? No, this is just this is just essentially you have valued this guy as somebody that you don't need or want, but you think you can get value from him from another team instead of just straight up dumping him. And this is all from the same team or from separate teams? Uh, separate. Okay. Oh, I think same team would be cool. We could also do that in but the future. But I like this too. Okay, so this one is a curveball for everybody because this is... Baseball? NASCAR drivers. Yes! <laughs> Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Sign one, trade one, cut one. None of them race anymore. Yeah, I, there's going to be old ti- old timers on some of these. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I had no idea. Yeah, Darren Junior retired. I think last year Gordon's mm-hmm. been done for like two years ago. I mean, if I think, you if I you think, were, I don't think Stewart's like officially retired. Retired. I don't know. Is it, so is this in their prime? Yep, just pick from the prime. You have a racing team. You need uh, two. You need one driver, and you got to get rid of two others. I. Hated Jeff Gordon, so I will I will cut Jeff Gordon. Wow, Jeff Gordon is trash. Wow, <laughs> right, right off the bat, love I, it. I did not like Jeff Gordon. We are going in different directions with this. I Same. will trade Dale Earnhardt Jr. I was a big Tony Stewart guy. Love it. Uh, Tony Stewart did a lot of dirt track racing, even while he was racing in NASCAR. Um, about twenty minutes from here in Hartford, Ohio, is Sharon Speedway, owned by the Blaney's. I think Dale and Dave own it now. Um, he used to go down there and race all the time. I, I, I liked going to the dirt track races. I grew up at Sherrod Speedway. So every time Tony Stewart Knight was down there, we'd go down there and see Tony Stewart race, and I absolutely loved it. So I will sign Tony Stewart. All right. I've got five words for you. Tony Stewart killed a guy. I'm cutting him all day. I don't care. I don't care the circumstances. I don't care what the law is. It wasn't saying. on purpose. Dude straight up murdered someone. Yeah. No, no, it's not did. like it was intentional. He hit him with his vehicle. That's literally the definition of vehicle. The guy got out of his car Doesn't matter. on the track Doesn't while matter. other cars were still going around. I don't need that bad juju on my team. He's gone. I'm signing Jeff Gordon. Dude's iconic. Absolutely iconic. He... he, he He's probably the first guy I think of when I even hear the word NASCAR. And then, uh, but much, even even a lot of NASCAR fans didn't like him, though. I, I think he's consistent. Yeah. You know, I think if you're building a team, if you want a guy that's going to kind of be your 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 horse, you're gonna you can't do a lot worse than uh, Jeff Gordon. So sure. I, I definitely pick him. I, I don't and, know how consistent Jeff Gordon actually was. Uh, how much NASCAR did you actually watch, John? In my entire life, I've totaled approximately zero seconds. Uh, however, I, I would trade trade Dale. I think he has some value. He's got the name recognition, obviously. Sure. Um, so I think he could kind of get you some assets from some other teams. All hail, Ray's Dale. But uh, <laughs> not gonna, not not gonna keep. Sam, what's your take? I, 
I, I think the only person I can even think about when I think of NASCAR is Jeff Gordon. I remember in like sixth grade when I was, you know, playing in the band, there was a guy that we played with and he always had a Jeff Gordon shirt on. And I was like, what is that? And who is that guy? And he said, he's a NASCAR racer. So I'm going to sign Jeff Gordon just on nostalgia. Boom. <clears throat> well, full disclosure, I didn't watch a lot of racing when I was uh, younger, but I was a Rusty Wallace fan. And uh, Good old number two. Let me ask you guys this question. Had I picked current drivers, would you have known any of them? No. I know, uh, so, I know I some of them. You know some of them? Yeah. All right. Maybe a handful. Okay. Does Danica Patrick still race? I don't think so. No, she retired. Yeah. Her, her, I think she's married now, right? I, I would venture a guess, yes. Jimmy Johnson, does he still race? He yeah. won like eight in a row, didn't he? I, I, if yeah. he were an option, he'd be my key. Yeah. Right. I like that guy. He was pretty much the Yankees of NASCAR What for about a Greg Biffle? No. Does he still no. Those, are, those are all older. He was guys. on a Subway Cup one time. I remember that. What is the name of their cup now? It was like the no, Sprint it was Series. An actual no, actual physical cup from Subway. But I'm saying, like, what is their championship called? It was like oh. the Sprint Cup and the Nextel Cup, and then there was like the Monster Cup. The last one I remember is Nextel. That should tell you how old I am. All I remember is the Winston Cup. It's the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. There it is. All right. Do they still do the truck series? Those are always cool. Those big trucks. Yeah, the Pretty trucks. Cool. The trucks are the trucks are like the minor league kind of thing. You start off with them. And, and you work actually I mean a lot of these guys start off racing sprint car sprint cars um, and that's what they they eventually move up from is there anybody named Kyle that currently races Kyle Bush Kyle Bush, Kyle Bush sure. is my keeper if it's the monster race oh, he's such a douche it doesn't matter have you, never, have you not looked at the memes of Kyle and monster it's just they <laughs> it's go together true. like bread and butter how did that even start I have no idea the so, internet's a weird so place the, the Bush brothers Kyle and Kurt they are one and two in the current um, point races. Are they doing it now? Yeah. Does Mario Andretti still race? I don't uh, believe I don't so. Think so what about Mario Vitale? Don't believe so. I, I don't know. about Super I, Mario? <laughs> Mario Vitale is too busy fighting court battles. Uh, let's not get into that. Hashtag oh. me too. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to our next question. On that note, uh, Sam, would you like to pick a category? Do the same category. No, totally up to you. Do what you want. This is America. Nope. Let's do baseball for 100. Wow. Baseball for 100. We're going to buy low because this is going to be something I... Okay. Done. This is actually a good one for everybody here. Yay. Uh, we're going to take what John has previously been on the record about and test that. The Indians. Handful of games out of first place after the All-Star break. Should the team be a seller anyway at the trade deadline? Who do they have to sell anyway? Well, that's a good question. If they decided that they're going to punt for the playoffs and not pursue the Twins, I mean, currently they have the sixth best record in the American League, so they'd be fighting for the wild, last wild card spot. Um, is that something that they envision themselves being involved in late September, or should you just say, you know what, we're not, we're going to lose people, let's ship them out for what we can? I think the whole problem with the Indians, and it's been like thoroughly gone over, is the the Dolans not wanting to spend money. And even if you, you know, sell some guys or even attempt to bring some people in, it's going to be, what, one and done. It just seems like the Indians continue to be the farm system, which, again, is a point that has been talked about extensively. Um, at this point, who do you even have to sell? I mean, they could sell Brad Hand. They can sell Trevor Bauer. You could sell anybody. Yeah. I mean, those, those, those are going to be the two guys that if they – if you see one of those two guys go, you know that they're they're packing it in and they're just going to kind of ride it out to the right to the to the end of the season. That, that, that it's it. It's just those two. The window shut after they lost to the Cubs. I 
I, I, I think differently. I think if they keep the team the way they are, um, you have Clevenger who's going to be coming back. Uh, he's supposed to be throwing in Akron here, I think, next week. Um, you still have um, – he's a Cy Young winner, and I can't think of his damn name. Kluber? Yeah, you got Kluber who's, who's still working back. Um, there was someone else who was throwing in at the Scrappers yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I don't remember who it was. Um, so they, they had a lot of bad injuries to start the season. Not having Carrasco, I mean – you figure you lost three of your starting rotation within the first two months Month, yeah. of, of the season, and you're still only six games behind the Twins. I, th- I think they should hold on. I think they should ride it out. You're getting guys coming back. That'll you know bring some energy back in the stadium. Before the All-Star break, I think they, what was it, 13 of 12 of 14? or They were 50 and 38 at the break. No, the, the winning streak. Oh, the winning streak, yeah. Uh, their last 10, they're 8 and 2 currently. I, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, they won one against the Twins, and then they won two. Uh, who they got? Detroit? Detroit. I think they can do it. I think if they just hold through, uh, Francona's a phenomenal coach. You know he's going to pull those guys. You know. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was able to do miracles with what we had that uh, first couple years he was there when we won the series. I don't think they should sell. Buying, there's not a whole lot out there that's going to dramatically improve your roster. If you can get a bat, somebody to throw some RBIs in the middle of your lineup, I think that would be good without giving up too much for him. But I think if the Indians stay where they're at, they've got a great team, they got a great coach, they're getting guys back who are going to be healthy, I think they should just let it ride. I'm going to do what I absolutely despise about sports talk, and I'm going to backtrack because they have impressed the hell out of me with what they've been able to do you know, over the last couple, we'll call it a month. So normally I would say that, you know, Sam is right. And it's time. I mean, it's just one of those things. You have a certain window, you didn't hit it, whatever. But, you know, these injuries really haven't knocked them out as much as I thought they would. Um, You know, Ryan, you just mentioned they lost two thirds or sorry, three fifths of their starting rotation within the first two months of the season. They, their offense has been anemic, but there's something about them that they're really just gelling and I still think they're the best team in the Central. I think the Twins, they kind of got a hot start and, and, and just kind of ran with it. But uh, I would actually kind of tell them to stand pat, see how everything's going to go. I mean, it's baseball. It's not like in the NFL where if you if you don't have this guy, you're going to lose out on a first-round pick or some nonsense. Who cares? Like, the prospects you're going to get are probably going to be inconsequential. Sure, yeah. whomever it is. That I don't think anybody's with. concerned with draft capital in baseball. Right, so... I, I say write it out. I, I, I think that if you can if you can get Kluber back at any point, that's a win. But I think you're you're finally starting to see what this team can do. I think Francona can work some miracles and who knows? I mean, this might be one of those those come those feels good stories where the team rallies around Carrasco. You know, sports kinda have those those, those moments where it, it's almost larger than life and it's just really cool to see. You know, we talked in the group message about Tyler Skaggs, the pitcher for the the Angels who passed away. Um Things like that, just sports find a way to unite people, to bring them together and things like that. It's those 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 stories that almost seem impossible always happen in sports. So it, it could be one of those situations where Carrasco's, you know, an unfortunate diagnosis might get the team to rally around him and, and kind of just give them the spark that they needed. Sam, final thoughts before we move on. I mean... Pretty much standing pat? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with it. All right. Okay, let's go back and do a second round. John, would you like to pick from the board again? 
Basketball 100. Ooh, you guys are throwing me curveballs today. I put these up thinking that nobody was going to pick them. I didn't want to. But, I, I didn't want but to. But that's okay because <laughs> I still have questions for that. Okay. Is now the time to start having the conversation, given what happened last year, about LeBron James retiring, or does he still have a few years left? Because at some point, we got to start talking about that. He has a few years left, but I don't think it's at his peak. Um, I agree. I, you know, I think that the LeBron that we've seen over the past year or so is, I don't want to say a shell of himself, because the guy can, is still an absolutely phenomenal athlete and can do just miraculous things on a basketball court. He's at a level where he needs probably another A1 guy. Um, you know, he, he's pretty much had his entire career where he was the best guy on the on the court, if not, you know, the, the best guy in this in on the entire in the city. Um, so I think at this point he's he's toned it down a little bit. He does an incredible job of keeping himself in shape and, and being ready for the season. But I, I think just from a physical standpoint, like the game's eventually going to catch up to him. I think that we've got a couple years left of seeing him at a high level. Uh, again, it's not going to be near what his prime was, but sure. I think he might hang on for a few more years. I think ultimately he wants to he wants to play with his son, um, and I think that's really the only thing he's focusing on. That, I think all the scoring titles and everything, yeah. he's pretty much nailed everything down. Getting a chance to play with this kid, I think, is be probably awesome. his destiny. He's going to try to hang on for Agreed. that. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. I love those. Oh, snap. LeBron James leads the league in assists this year. I agree entirely. Ooh. He got switched to point guard. I was going to. I heard he's playing the point this yep. year. LeBron is going to play if if he stays at point guard. He's going to play for another seven or eight years. He's going to be successful because he does physical wear and tear won't be as bad. Correct, yeah. and he doesn't have to go out and put up forty points. He doesn't have to go in the low post and post up and play against guys who are, I mean, equal to his size, but sure. are going to b- pound around a little bit. Right. He's going to come down. He's going to facilitate. He has always been a phenomenal passer. And he, he's going to remind me of Magic Johnson running down the floor in a Lakers jersey, dishing the ball all over the place. He now has Anthony Davis, and I think he's going to facilitate the ball to him. Davis is going to be their primary scorer. They have got, I mean, their roster from last year is totally 100% different than they've had a lot of changes. It, it was unbelievable mm-hmm. what, what they were able to do. And, and I mean, I hate free agency in the NBA because of that. Sure. But I, I think LeBron is going to be very comfortable playing point guard. I mean, he did it in Cleveland here and there, but going in every day, knowing that he's just going to bring the ball in, he's going to be playing against smaller guys at the point position who are half his talent level. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even he's, now him playing points going to create, you know, mismatches uh, everywhere else on the floor because if you try to rotate and pull someone else, you're pulling a bigger guy out from the post to try to put him on LeBron, and it's going to be easier for him to get the ball into the Davis on the low block and for him to score. Hmm. So I think LeBron moving to point guard is is a like a blessing in disguise. Um, I'm sure they talked to him about it beforehand. I mean, he has to be comfortable doing that, and I think it's going to add, you know, a couple of extra years of, you know, putting up good good numbers to his career. Sam, any comment? No, Ryan made the, the point I wanted to make, but let's not sleep on the Paul George trade because that puts him at the small forward position, which LeBron played, and now you have LeBron running the point, which he's probably been the best point guard in the league since he's been in the league and he was a small forward. All right, let's close that out with a one-word answer from each of you guys. Who will be the more relevant team come springtime, Lakers or Clippers? 
Lakers. Yeah, I think it will still be the I Lakers. I mean, that city is, you know, Lakers to the bone. Clippers have always been like the ugly stepchild that no one really pays too much attention to. So I think at the end of the day, it's still going to be the Lakers. All right, we have three for the Lakers, none for the Clippers. I'm going to be on the Lakers bandwagon too. Everybody else is doing it. I just want to be popular. <laughs> Brian, go ahead and pick a category. I pass it up the first time. I'm going to hit up some hockey. All right. We'll, we'll keep it in the middle. Go 200. All right, oh, hockey. Why, why the hockey for 200? I don't know. That's not. That was not <laughs> fair of me. Which team that missed the playoffs this season has the best chance to get in next year? Probably the New Jersey Devils. Ooh, interesting. Explain. Yeah, I think the Devils are. They got PK Subban. They had some young guys that they got in the draft. Um, not looking at the list because again, free agency in hockey is not as bad as as basketball. Or, um, but there were a lot of pieces who got moved around. I can tell you who's going to be nowhere near the playoffs. Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> I feel so bad for that organization. Everybody that you said they had to hang on to, they, they lost every single one. John Tortorella is going to lose his job halfway through the season. I, I feel really bad for Who was the guy they ended up did, that, that they did sign? Nyquist? No. I forget I forget who it was. But I'm guessing it, it's not going to be enough. It, it's definitely. I mean, we've talked about the Indians, how they let all those RBIs go. I mean, you let a Vesna Trophy candidate walk out the door and Sergey Bobrovsky, which I said was going to happen because he was buying houses elsewhere. Um, Panarin, yeah. I mean, he was a young guy who they only had on a two-year deal. He had no intention on staying there. And Duchesne, they picked up, you know, at the trade deadline last year. I mean, there was really... He was a rental. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think New Jersey is going to sneak into the playoffs. I think Philly did some stuff, too, where they could potentially move in. Um, the Rangers, that's another team. They had a young goaltender coming up last year. They did get Panarin. They added a couple other pieces to the roster. Um, the Rangers are going to probably move up there and, and, and be a be a force to be reckoned with in the east so i doubt these other guys are going to have any take whatsoever does anybody have a take i agree oh he agrees yeah yeah pk suban yeah i heard panera and that makes me happy <laughs> Panarin. i'm hungry too we so didn't eat this is why i wanted to change the format <laughs> so that you guys wouldn't accidentally stumble into a question that you didn't want to or i, didn't, I hope know how the minnesota answer. wild makes the playoffs because who's the worst cool who's going to be the worst team because that's going to be my team next year columbus it very well could be. Based Are you on jumping what off the blues? I, I have a perfect track record. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So you're just going to cheer for the I pick a bad team, and then and they, they turn it around. Win the Stanley Cup. You're part I mean, of the I'm magic. one for one for as many years as I've been watching hockey. That's true. Sam oh. is the de facto. When are we? When are we getting um, your team, Andy? Oh, um, so it's been a little bit hectic uh, with uh, things that have been going on with uh, my job and stuff. So. I've kind of put that on the back burner, um, but that is coming soon. It should be before the season starts yeah, at you, the latest. You have some time. Yeah. Um, but I have the team. I have it. In, I, I'll give you an update on the process. So I have it narrowed down to four. Can, can we at least hear the four? Can okay. So let's let's hear the four, and we'll put a post up on the Facebook page. I, let's do that. we'll let people guess who um, – we'll have them do a, like a, a poll – and we'll see who they guess your team's going to end up being. All right. So the four that I've narrowed it down to is Toronto Maple Leafs, Columbus Blue Jackets, Minnesota Wild. Love it. And, oh, gosh, what was the last one? Um, Transylvania Shapeshifters. No. <laughs> the Alaskan Pipeliners. It's in my notebook, and I can't recall I it. I wish that was moment. a team. 
the Alaskan Pipeliners. I have to go out on a limb and say... Do you know what their colors are? cannot on, cheer for a Canadian team. What? You can't cheer for a Canadian team. Uh, yeah, you can. You this can do whatever America. you want. They're an original six, too. Yeah. I don't care. Um, it was another It was another East Coast team. Buffalo Sabres. Yes, that was it. John actually that. got it. I like that team. So, Buffalo Sabres, Minnesota Wild, Toronto Maple Leafs, Columbus Blue Jackets are the final four. I just like the name Minnesota Wild because I like... It can be an adjective. Who knows? So, I just like that. Their, their logo is really cool, Exactly. Too. If you look yeah. at their logo... It's, the logo it's is really pretty neat. sweet. It's a very good design. It's I, no Brian Satina design. Dude. I'm super oh, hyped. Oh, that's Brian got that's two drops. <laughs> I'm, I'm super hyped about uh, the video that's going to be made uh, showing you guys the process because it's going to be very comedic. Outstanding. And uh, and then I'm going to have a follow-up video. So you're actually going to get two. You're going to get the, the process of how this all was determined, and then we're going to have an unboxing at the end with the first piece of hockey merchandise I've ever bought. Oh, which snap. will which will have the team logo on it. Keep it. Keep an eye out for uh, the Dallas Stars. By the way, um, I was trying to do some quick research here to see if there was a team that I may have missed. They ended up signing Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski from mm. Pavelski was from the San Jose Shark. By the way, John. Oops. Whatever. Which, we didn't need him. Which those are. <laughs> we didn't need him. The, the, those are. He was their. I think he was their captain. Those nah. are two really big additions to their team. He was a bad apple. Captain being a bad seed. That, that he, he was the undoing of the team. I'm sure that's it. Maybe it's, maybe it's Joe Thornton who's 60 years old and still playing for him. Hey, that's dedication to the team and the cause. Is he really 60? He's I think no he's way the, 60 year olds playing hockey. I think he's the oldest player in uh, in all of in NHL right now. I think one of the I think it was Brett Hall played until he was Brett Hart until he was in his 50s. Oh, and was better. I don't disagree. Yama Yager's still playing. He's probably close to 50 now. Wow. Dang. It, yeah, I mean if you avoid the hits, I mean that, and you can still it's basically skate. figure skating. That that tells you something that, that you're able to avoid the hits for that long though. Like Well, I mean if the you know, I, I know I just made a joke, but it's basically the same thing for the career of a running back. The yeah. guys that stay in the game forever, the ones who run out of bounds instead of running into the linebacker. Improm- you're Darren Sproles, for example. Impromptu question, uh, based on your that analysis right there, because I saw it um on social media today, they were uh, talking about Barry Sanders and how nobody ever gets really compared to Barry Sanders because there's never been another guy that's like him. And I wanted to ask you guys how you feel about this question is it would Barry, how do I want to phrase this? If there had, would Barry Sanders be successful today? Like, was he successful back then because of who he was or would he, is it just because defensive backs and defense in general is faster now? I don't know that he'd be as successful. Let, for, let's first of all, let's not take away anything from Barry Sanders. He's sure. one of the best to ever play the game. With the one position. of the best ever. I would liken him to a Darren Sproles style back, where he's more of a scat back kind of gadget guy who who avoids the big hits. He comes in, he can catch the ball, he can make guys miss. Um, he wasn't playing against world beaters for the most part back then. Yeah. I think the athletes of today are far superior than they were then, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive linemen are really fast. Monsters. 275 Monsters. pounds and can run five, four threes. So, you know, it, it's it's crazy. Um, it's funny because one of the stats that everybody forgets about Barry Sanders is he leads the league, or he leads the NFL in all-time negative yardage plays, mm-hmm. which – obviously is a terror is a, is a testament to his his talent because he obviously is a hall of famer and, and rushed for 10,000 plus yards but I don't know I, I think that 
the game today, and I think that's a reason why running has kind of taken a backseat to the passing game. I just don't think there are guys who can make you miss consistently now like there were back then. Yeah, because if you watch his highlight reel, it's like he jukes out this guy, he jukes out two more, and then he's gone. So so does that make then what you see running backs do today more impressive? Yeah. I think think so. So So is Tom Brady more impressive? Because what, he throws three yards (laughs) to check down backs in the flat? (laughs) But in all seriousness, you look at a guy like a a, a Shady McCoy, he was – well, that kind of guy, like he was, uh, he he was the quick guy. He got away from all the tackles. He didn't take the big hits. And granted, he had some good years with Philadelphia, but his career has really tapered off in Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo is a wasteland of, age, of sports. Age but, has not been good to Lashawn McCoy. I mean, you could say the same for Demarco Murray. Um, you could say the same to an extent to for an Adrian Peterson. Demarco Murray was just a running back that needed a scheme fit to be successful, and he. Well, what about uh, what about Sean Green? One of these days, he's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna break, break out. out here. God, there's a name. Uh, Chris Johnson is another one. Like God, that's prime. I I would say if there's any fair comparison to Barry Sanders now or or in the kind of most recent era, it might be Chris Johnson. He's a he was a smaller guy, fast as all get out. You know, he didn't take big hits. He was a he was the lightning to the thunder with Lendale White in the backfield. Yep. So he uh, well, he, he was successful for two years. Well, and that's the thing. That's because, it. That's you know you can only stay away from guys so often you know and to your point about are the running backs of today more impressive they're not getting 300 carries anymore a season they're not getting 20 carries a game because they'll get destroyed yeah like you will ruin a career in four years if you try to do that in today's nfl everyone's bigger stronger and faster all the way around absolutely even the defensive backs yeah Yeah, absolutely i mean so many safeties you would have never look at the defensive ends who are how big's miles garrett and he's six five two seven as fast if not faster than you know running backs in the league so yeah it's crazy all right that was a good side let's get back to the board sam you could pick a category Football. four Uh, all of the points yeah 200 for 200. <clears throat> okay. This one is more abstract. I love abstract. Which NFL team, in your opinion, had the best offseason? Draft, free agency. Wow. Wow. I was waiting for it. Wow. <laughs> God, I don't even want to be a homer, but we'll start with Cleveland just because of the ability to bring in, you know, an Odo Beckham Jr. to give Baker Mayfield another receiver to throw to on top of, you know, Jarvis. And then you go and get maybe the best cornerback in the draft in the second round on top of the trade for uh, Vernon, who adds depth to the offensive line, or offensive line, defensive line, and uh, Sheldon Richardson to play the, you know, the tack- uh, defensive tackle. I mean, you, you pretty much shored up maybe your biggest weakness last year, which was, you know, stopping the run. And then you've maybe added one of the, who you ask, three or four, five best receivers in the game. Is it going to work? We'll see, but I mean, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, let's go with Cleveland. That's a homer pick, but let's go with it. All right. Anybody else got to take? Don't look now, but the Indianapolis Colts are your AFC champion. I I, uh, I agree. I absolutely love everything they're doing. I take that back. I don't agree that they're going to win. I agree that they'll be a participant for it. That's fair. I, I I would I would listen to that argument, but I think and a lot of it's what they did last year too. But I think what they've been doing over the past couple years, uh, namely realizing that Andrew Luck is their franchise and they need to protect him, um, putting good weapons around him, 
they got a resurgence out of Eric Ebron that, you know, his career died in Detroit. Right. He comes to Indy and, you know, all of a sudden he's the guy that the, that the Lions drafted in the first round, you know, a few years ago. So Does nothing but catch touchdowns. Absolutely. And and you've got Jack Doyle there. You've got T.Y. Hilton. You've got a lot of options. Marlon Mack has, has been a godsend for them out of the backfield. He's going to be a high fantasy pick. Not that fantasy and, and reality are always, you know, the same, but... I think the Colts are going to make some serious noise in the AFC. I think that there's nobody in their division that can challenge them. The Jaguars may or may not be legitimate. The Texans kind of have always underperformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Titans, I think, are trash. Okay. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I'm hearing that they may not. That there's an in-house debate over whether Ryan Tannehill is going to unseat Marcus Mariota. That, to me, just spells defunction. Marcus Mariota, I think, is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. I do not... That's he, can't, he can't fair, stay healthy. Fair criticism. Not, I, I can't disagree. Like when we went through and did our um, our fake draft thing, I was so quick to try to trade Mariota when I had him because <laughs> I, I don't think he's lived up to any any type of the hype whatsoever no, coming out of college. Really I don't like Tennessee. I, I don't think they're going to be contenders. I, I actually was was thinking of Indianapolis. Um, I mean, and Cleveland. I mean, they both did really, Agreed. really... Agreed. You can't take away from what Cleveland did. I really good things in the offseason. So, training camp starts t- tomorrow? For a lot, some teams, yeah. Depending on when you're listening to this, yes. Two, As of this recording. Two or three weeks away from the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame game. It's getting Holy closer crap, and closer. It's happening. It's <laughs> happening. We made it through the calendar year. Uh, I'm oh. just going to go out and throw this out here for worst offseasons. I'm going to oh, go Green, yeah. Green Bay. You yeah. did nothing. To help your franchise. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you added a couple of defensive players and you did nothing to protect your quarterback or to give him anything to throw to. I don't know what they're doing. Over I think there. we're witnessing the downfall of Aaron Rodgers, too. I, 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 th- I would agree. I, I can't disagree he with He hasn't him. been able to stay healthy. I mean, mainly because he hasn't been protected. And At that, all. that falls directly on the organization. Yep. They haven't put weapons around him. He drops not. back, he throws more than almost anybody in the league. And all that wear and tear is finally catching up with him. Rashawn Gary's going to bust. I think we're. I wrote that in my piece. I think Rashawn Gary is the prime candidate to bust from this draft class. Biggest um, head scratcher in the draft. They didn't add any veteran wide receivers to go with Devontae Adams. They're depending, and they lost Randall Cobb. They lost Randall Cobb. Yeah. They're so they're going to be dependent on all those second year receivers. Um, Jimmy who, Graham, who people can barely Toronto name drop. St. Brown. They they seem to be obsessed I, with. I like him though. I, I do too. <laughs> They seem to be obsessed with making Aaron Jones a running back Which be is successful. Asinine. I'm not sure about well, they that. They the same thing with Ty Montgomery. St. Brown was one of those guys where I thought should have stayed in college an extra year as well. How do you say his first name? Equinarius. I like it. Did he I, come I out as a junior so. or a redshirt? Yeah, yeah, he came he, out as a junior. Okay. Uh, you could say the same thing about Deshaun Kaiser, and he is also in Green Bay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I will say this, though. I really like the Darnell Savage pick. I think he's going to be a good safety. And uh, to piggyback on everybody's choice for best, I agree with the Colts and I agree with the the Browns. And I want to take a second to be a homer and tell you who didn't have a great offseason, and that was the Minnesota Vikings. Well, when you have $15 in cap space, it's kind of difficult to improve your roster. Well, my point is that don't be fooled because it's the same team from last year plus some rookies. The same team from last year, regardless of rookies, went 8-7-1. So... Please. A lot of ties last year. That was stupid. Wasn't it? Yeah. Get rid of the ties. I, I, don't, I don't like the ties. I don't like Come the ties. On. It's 2019. They're the only sport that does it. It's dumb. Figure something out. Like, like dude, literally, just just have a kickoff, like a field goal competition. If if you do if you do like an, a 15 rules. minute overtime, say you do 15 minute overtime and nobody does it, make the kickers earn their money. Yeah. Start at 30 yards. 
move back five yards each time. Make the goal post move. For, <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Skills challenge. Oh, yes. Now right. I'm in. Yeah, first guy to miss and the other guy to make it, your team wins. All right. Okay, let's move on to another category. Uh, we want to keep this ball rolling? Yeah, just keep going. All right. Might as well just uh, give, me the, give me the sign trade cut all right, for, for 300. All right, sign trade cut. As you remember earlier in the show, this is the F. Mary Kill version for sports. What's, what's the which F one? stand for? Four and a K. <laughs> which, uh, which one did you pick? Uh, 300. 300, okay. 300. This is sign trade cut, previous draft bus. Oh. Love it. Your choices are... Blaine Gabbert, Brady Quinn, oh. Christian Ponder. Oh. Sign one, trade one, cut one. Throw one in the dumpster. And keep in mind that none of these guys really had a prime. <laughs> I'm going to cut Blaine Gabbert. Okay. I, I think he was an absolute disaster. Um, uh, we were talking about this maybe a couple weeks ago um, in our group chat. So, um, Jack Del Rio, who was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the time, mm-hmm. did not even know that the team was drafting Blaine Gabbard when they did. Yes. So that tells you right there the level that he. I think they had he, he in the article that he was in. He quoted they quoted him saying that he was uh, like a third or fourth round pick on on their boards, maybe even later than that. So mm-hmm. that to me tells you exactly how far they reached to get Blaine Gabbard because they wanted him to be the savior of the team. So he's just I'm shipping him off right off the board. Christian Ponder had some decent years in Minnesota. I think you could possibly get some value out of him, maybe a special teamer or return guy or, or something. So you're probably a, a so nickel you're... back that you know might be able to, to do something for you. Sure. And, and this is not a homer pick because you know I couldn't care less about Notre Dame. No offense, but I really think Brady Quinn hurt himself uh, okay. his rookie year because he decided to hold out enough that it made Derek Anderson the starter by default. Derek Anderson, of course, went on to have that monster year in 2007 that should have been Quinn's team. So I know there's two two schools of thought where you you sit a guy and you let him kind of develop for a year or you throw him into the fire and he's going to learn that way, one way or the other. So if if the Browns had traded Derek Anderson for a first-round pick, which is – Blows your mind right now to even think about. Right. Imagine the talent you could have put around Brady Quinn. You already had Braylon Edwards. You already had Joe Juravicious. You had Callan Winslow. You had Jamal Lewis in the backfield. You had Jerome Harrison as kind of your scat back. The defense was improving. Your offensive line was as good as it's been in a while for, for the Browns. So I think Quinn was in a perfect spot to actually be able to develop. I, I'm sorry, I apologize for the life of me. I can't remember who the coaching staff was and it, 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 back then to possibly develop him. I don't blame Matt you. Romeo? He was the head coach, yes, but I can't remember how the offensive structure was set up and who kind of oversaw what because it changed every year. But I think he really had a legitimate chance to be something if he would have gotten out of his own way to start from a business standpoint and if he would have just played the cards right and allowed himself to kind of take over for that team as they should have. Because I mean, if he doesn't, if he forces their hand, what are they going to do? They're going to do what they exactly what they did. They're going to keep Anderson, who ended up lighting up the scoreboard. But if he kind of plays the company man, is like, hey, you know, I'll do whatever. You might not have Derek Anderson on that team in two thousand seven. You sure. might have Quinn as your starter, and now he's throwing to those guys. That was what three Pro Bowlers on offense, including Anderson that year. So yeah. um, hello, you could have done the exact same thing with Brady Quinn. He might still be their guy right now. What could have been? Chud was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, okay, Rob Chudzinski, yeah. And and he was a big part of why that offense has such such a successful year 
I think Quinn could have been that guy. Like he had arm strength issues, sure, but he was accurate. He was a good leader. He kind of had all the qualities you wanted from the neck up in a guy, and he just he could never put it together. Impressive manner in which you have made a case for Brady Quinn. If I was a judge, I'd rule in your favor. Does anybody else have a take? <laughs> I, I would have went the, the same route. The same route? Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten as in-depth. But <laughs> I watched Brady Quinn play a lot of football at Notre Dame. Yeah. I think he could have potentially been – he wouldn't have been like one of your top ten, but he would have been a middle-of-the-road quarterback. But like John said, he got in his way. He had the skills that he could have honed in, and I think he could have been successful. But – We'll never know. Sam, do you have a take? I'll just be the contrarian here. No way. But I'm just, I'm, I'm going to sign, Hashtag I'm going to sign Blaine Gabbard. Why? <laughs> is, I, your, I, is your goal to make the worst team ever? I believe <laughs> considering the names that we were selecting, there's no way to make a good team. There is no wrong answer with this. I will say that. How many points do I have? A lot. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I, I'll, I guess I'll trade, I'll trade Quinn and cut Ponder, but. Gabbard, why? Well, what difference does it make? Gabbard, I mean, in the situation in Jacksonville, had pretty much the same opportunity. He in the Queen. bed. Well, so did Brady Quinn, and so did Christian Ponder. They were all pretty bad. Well, the, the word draft busts. I think that was what the yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of arguing of like which it's is a pretty, the, the who's pretty the, who's the worst, right? Like who's the worst? <laughs> who's the, the most best po- of the worst? Who's the most polished turd? However, <laughs> that one year in uh, what was it, 2015, when Gabbard was ended up playing over Kaepernick. I mean, you know, he at least completed more than 60% of his passes, which is something that I don't think the other two can say they did. And he had probably more, not. He had more ability as a runner, which in the league these days is a good thing, I guess. But now, would in, in terms have, of all around, would anything ability, have changed if you had thrown in Jake Locker's name? Oh, dear Jake the God. Jake the Hurt Locker. <laughs> so what is it? Sign, trade, cut, and kill? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, sorry, Mrs. Locker, but you know. The other name I contemplated. The other name I contemplated putting on this list was Joey Harrington. Oh, I'd sign God. him. I would too. Okay, that's interesting. All right. I think he got a raw deal with absolute absolute garbage around him. Yeah, he did. Detroit was JP Lossman. Not savable. That's another really bad one. God, can we just make, can we him. just make a list of, of really? We could really have an entire <laughs> show of just draft butts at quarterback. Of draft butts at quarterback. Who who's going next? I've lost. Uh, I, I believe Keller is turn. next. This is what's left. I will go. Still some good ones in there. Do it. We'll do baseball for two hundred. Oh snap! All right, baseball for two hundred. Okay, Lou Gehrig. Final answer. <laughs> Okay, this one's going to be a little bit abstract, uh, but it is an interesting tidbit of information given given the National League. The Chicago Black Sox. Okay. The NL Central is currently either really bad or very competitive, depending on how you look at it. The last place team, the Cincinnati Reds, are only five games out. Everybody's in play. Who is your pick on the record to win the National League Central? Cubs currently lead. That awkward silence is all of us looking. I was just going to say, who's in the NL Central? Okay, so it's it's the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, (laughs) the Cardinals, Pirates. Pirates. I'm probably going to just stay with the Cubs. Safe pick? Yeah. It's hard to disagree with that. If I had to, I'd say the the Cardinals, just because they always seem to be the, without the, you know, the last two or three years excluded, the Cardinals have always kind of been like the, the crown jewel of that division um, sure in recent memory anyway so i would say i agree with you that the cubs are probably going to hang on to it 
But if they don't, it would be the Cardinals. And then the Pirates, I mean, everyone in Pittsburgh wants them to just sell the team. They, wow. They can't really? stand, well, they want it to stay there, but they want a new owner. They can't stand the owner. The sentiment has gotten that bad. Oh, it's it's terrible. Every year, there's signs in the ballpark. One, I mean, they've made some stupid, stupid moves. Getting rid of Dalen, or not Dalen McCutcheon, but Andrew McCutcheon. Yes. yes. Where did he go? San Francisco? Is it, is it? I think. Initially? I want to say that's initially where he went. I, yes. I don't think he's there now, but no. I do remember. He's probably where. a Yankee at this point. No, I think he stayed in the, you know, he's probably a Dodger because. I, that actually might be accurate. Everybody ends up as a Dodger. I don't currently know. Too mesmerized by Cody Bellinger's 30 home run season so far. He's in Philadelphia. Oh, oh okay. okay. Well, even, that's a team I loathe. Even worse. Right? I absolutely hate Philadelphia. They have good cheesesteaks. That's, that's a, about it. That's about it. No, actually, I, I do love the city, but I... I not a huge fan of the Phillies. I just hate them for some reason. I love the city. I hate every single one of their sports teams. Not a fan of the teams. I don't really care either way. No opinion. But I love the the Philadelphia. Maybe just the Eagles fans just for being so crazy. Like, I like the Eagles. Kudos to you guys for being just bonkers. Like invade Area 51 already. You'd probably succeed. That's true. What if Philly is Area 51? Maybe it is. <laughs> They're all aliens. We've discovered the truth. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. All right. Moving on, who would like to pick the next one? I believe Sam? Sam is on the board. Well, I'm just not gonna pick hockey. I'm gonna let's, give. Let's do sign trade and cut. Can I? Can I just offer one smidge of feedback? Sure. I don't see a wrestling category on there. Uh, yes, I, like I said, homework last minute didn't get all the way done. That's why you're looking sign at sign trade cut, one hundred dollars wrestling. Trade cut. Oh, <laughs> That's... John Cena. I tell you what. I tell you what. Actually, I have a wrestling question that I would like to pose you. Let, oh let's my. let's do the yes. sign trade yes. cut for one hundred, and then we will do the wrestling question. Fair. All right. Okay. Now that I remembered it, sign trade cut. This is return specialists for football. Ooh. Devin Hester, Dante Hall, Josh Cribbs. Sign one, trade one, cut one. Wow. wow. This is easy. Wow. This is wow. easy. You know what? We're going to sign Hester. I'm going to trade Cribbs, and I'm cutting Dante Hall. 100% I agree. I, I, I don't disagree. I, the things Hester could do in open field – and on punt returns makes him the most valuable one by far. Josh Cribbs may have been the best open field of the three of them, but Hester could do it all when he had when he would return the ball. And he was consistent with longevity. Agreed. Dante Hall was a flash in the pan. Was yep. it one or two years? Two years. The human highlight reel or human, human joystick. joystick. Uh, I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Cribbs had little to no value outside of returning the ball. Hester, See, I would disagree with that. Hester, you know, you throw a 90-yard bomb and maybe he'll come down with it. He was he was really good coming out of the backfield. They used him out of the backfield as, uh, you know, catching flats and out routes and stuff like that. So, I mean, they tried utilizing him as a wide receiver a little bit, uh, a slot guy. So, I think that adds a little more value. Agreed. Cribs, they didn't really do a whole much. A whole much. Michael J. Fox ran better uh, routes. A, a whole lot coming out of out of the backfield on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball. <laughs> do we have Do we have any? Um, th- does it change your opinion any at all when we factor in Cribs's former quarterback ability? I so just just to play devil's advocate, and I for the record, I do agree with what Sam said, but I will I'll reverse uh, Hester and Cribs um, because I think obviously if, if he's the best return guy in the game, you can probably get some serious value for him whether it's going to be draft compensation or whatever. But I think Cribs offered you a unique skill set. 
of kind of being good at everything and not great at every at anything other than possibly kick returns. So you could use him as a running back on third down. You could use him as a receiver. You could use him as kind of a gadget guy who's going to throw, like pull up and throw the ball. Um, not very well, but he can do it. So I, it's just I, another wrinkle to throw yeah, in there. He, he's one of those guys that you you kind of have to game plan for just because he can do so much. Um, kind of, remember Antoine, Antoine Randall L? Yes, I loved think, him. I think Josh Kurz was a diet version of Antoine Randall L. He threw a touchdown pass in the, in the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think that you had a, more opportunity to kind of play with some things and to open up the playbook with Cribs, whereas Hester, I, don't get me wrong, he he was fast, he he was kind of he was elusive, but he was kind of just a return guy, and, and that's not to take anything away from him because he's probably one of the best that's ever been, if not the best that's ever been, but. I think that if you're coming down to it, if I'm building a team, I want a guy who can do the most for me, and I'm going to pick Cribs over him. Dante Hall, I hated him because I'm, I'm secretly an Oakland fan too. Okay. He was the bane of my existence. I would ship him off to Siberia. Um, <laughs> that said, Dante, or I'm sorry, uh, Devin Hester returning the kickoff in the Super Bowl, I think oh punched my God, his ticket awesome. as possibly the greatest returner of all time. Which is it, which is cool because even now we don't even have them really hardly anymore. It, they've been made almost irrelevant, right? So a guy like a Devin Hester is special because he's electric. He can kind of do those things. He can change the game on 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 a kickoff or, or what have you. But I guess Gimme Cribs just because of his, uh, his versatility. Cribs seemed like a very likable guy too. He seems like a really good dude. I know we talked about getting into Hall of Fame stuff in like two or three weeks when the Hall of Fame comes around. Oh, Devin, I cannot wait, Devin Hester, kick them all out. Should he be on the list? Yes. I'm going to go with a yes, but I'm going to place him as a, it's going to take some time. If you're going to honor the best ever, honor the best ever everywhere. Every that, position. That was, that was my yep. same argument for Ray Guy. It took him way too long to get in. Adam Vinatieri is a bona fide Hall of Famer. He should be in first ballot. I think ballot. he should be first ballot. Yeah. I agree. I agree He's too. the reason those teams won those rings. Thank However, you. I get the minimal... I, uh, Value that they that the they don't win the first two Super Bowls without Vinatieri. So I, I think if you're gonna like I said if you're oh, who's the best long snapper of all time? I grant that's a rhetorical question, but put him in the Hall of Fame too. Absolutely. If, if, if his specialty is well, to I mean, do that they, thing, they have he kickers better than that. Morton Anderson, Gary is, Anderson is Morton Anderson in the Hall of Fame? I he, believe he just so. went in recently, just, did he not? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because the longest time I think it was Yan Stenerud was and the only kicker. Yeah, that, I think there's the a couple of them in there now though, right? There, I think there's, so. And that's I'd say good. probably we about a half dozen rolling. specialists. If yeah. certain, I mean, if you, you've got like the 8th and ninth and 10th and 12th best receivers, you might as well have the best returner in the game. Absolutely. And I know we're, we're going to get off a little bit of a topic because we're jumping into the Hall of Fame. I wanted to bring something up real quick. Um, we'll get back to that for a second. Um, I, I like kind of just bouncing around a little bit. Oh, it's great. Uh, the Canton Repository is the newspaper that I get by my house. More like and, the Canton Suppository. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, they just had an article the other day that the Pro Football Hall of Fame and Dave, oh, what the heck's his name? The president. They call his Twitter handle is the Prez. I can't think of his name. Anyways, they're talking about potentially putting 25 players into the Hall of Fame during this upcoming year and into next year. Um, they said they're kind of log jammed with some guys who have been waiting to get in, who need to be in, and they want to try to do this just a one-time thing with the 100-year celebration, doing um, a portion of the guys at one particular time and then another section of the guys at another time. 
what are your guys' thoughts? I have I, I have one point I want to make quickly. You said you referenced a log jam of people that that they have to get in or need to get in. Yeah, the um, the article when I was reading it said that um, there's a, a log jam. I'm going to try to pull it up here real quick. There's a log jam of guys who that the Hall of Fame feel deserve to be into the Hall of Fame that because there are so many guys eligible that they want to try to push these in. A lot of them are actually um, – let me see if I can pull up here. So, David so, Baker, so while you pull that uh, up – David Baker, thank you. While you pull that up, the point I want to make is, yes, I agree that there is probably a lot of guys that should be in there that aren't right now. However, if you're going to – now, dear Hall of Fame people, we would love to come and visit your facilities and maybe even record podcasts there in the future, so don't take this the wrong way. But if there's a log jam, is that not your fault? Yes and no. I mean, the, the, it's the writers who ultimately get the guys in. I think, unfortunately, uh, sports writers are human. They probably have some grudges. Perfect example. Oh, and I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, that's true too. But um, Tony Grossi has always been the champion against Art Modell's uh, enshrined into the Hall of Fame. Whether, whatever your thoughts are on him, period. Like whether you think he deserves it or not. The fact that there's a guy who is so motivated to keep him out tells you all you need to know about the voting process. And I get it. Sure. You know, Grossi was there when the team moved and all that stuff. And he has his reasons that he get, I mean, he has all the behind the scenes stuff that we don't get to know. But I, I think that as long as you have kind of an imperfect voting system where a guy can stand up, pound the table and say, he shouldn't get in because of this other than you know his talent just wasn't there or his numbers or what have you. It's going to be a, a, an imperfect system. Sure, it always will be. Personal vendettas are part of the human experience. I'm, I'm not going to read this whole thing. I, fa- I found it. Um, I'll post the article on the Facebook page, but I'll just go through and real quick kind of skim through it. It says, an attempt to ease the blockage of reserving candidates. David Baker said the class of 2020 could include up to 20 members, um, some being enshrined at the Hall of Fame weekend and others during the centennial celebration in September. It says the class would include five modern era candidates 10 senior candidates, three contributors, and two coaches. He says all would be in Shrinies, all would get a bust, a gold jacket, and a ring, but the ceremony would be spread out. Um, he plans to propose the board, the idea to the Hall's Board of Trustees August 2nd. The centennial is kind of that once in every other lifetime shot of addressing the blockage and doing it in a comprehensive fashion. I don't like it. And I'll tell you why. So if you've got a, much like what you just mentioned, Andy, if you've got a problem, there's a better way to solve it than just saying, ah, hell, let everybody in. Mm. Okay. So I have long been a supporter of more stringent enshrinement. Um, I think what we're running the risk of now is becoming the hall of very good versus the hall of fame. Like I I want the absolute best of the best of the best of the best to be in the hall of fame. Not guys like, I'm not going to throw out names, but there are clearly guys that you could make an argument have no no deserving in there. And I that, think that's, that's a topic for the next it'll time. It'll absolutely be a topic. We, we, we we've actually been to. talking about it for but, like the yes. last three shows so now. We're going to get Sam, you, me- you mentioned it kind of tongue-in-cheek here, but you, you have the top 15 running backs of all time that are in there, but you're going to leave out a guy like Ray Guy who literally changed the game for that position. Okay? So, in my mind... Why are you letting in guys who are number 13 on the list of rushing yards all career versus something else? So it's not going to be like baseball where some years you just don't let anybody in. But you don't have to let five or six guys in every year. Like 
if there's a year where you have two guys who you feel like are the absolute best, the most dominant of their time, change their position, whatever you want to call it, have those guys go in. But it shouldn't be a situation where it's like, hey, we're going to pretend like the anniversary has something to do with this, and we're going to let 25 guys into the Hall of Fame. That class right there officially becomes the worst class in the Hall of Fame history. You're, you're, you got a good point there about just because of the number of sheer, the sheer number of guys automatically is going to bring the class down a little bit. And I agree with you. It seems like they're using this event as a, uh, what's the word for it? As, um, as a tool to pull this off. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's kind of like they're going to use this to their advantage to be like, we're celebrating the history of the game by letting in 25 guys. Secretly, that means... Thank goodness we can kind of alleviate a little bit of the log jam at the front of the river so that we can kind of help out toward the back end. So I'm trying to see, do you guys know what qualifies a player to be a senior candidate? I think they had they, they had to have played in a certain era um, X many years ago kind of a thing. Like it, it can't have, I think it's pre-merger. Yeah, something like that. So this is not going to affect modern day players at all. No. That's going oh, to that's that's... That's gonna remain the same. That, this is to get in senior players who they've had a log jam with who might have been overlooked at the time because they're – I mean, you're always going to have guys who are going in who have better stats, especially like in the receiving game. Sure. Right. You have better because stats. The game's advancing. So this might be an opportunity for them to get some guys in who contributed to the game, who – probably deserve to be in but because of the modern day area players are on their eight, numbers are dwarfed. i think they're but i think there's only like one senior player or two senior players every year Correct. they usually do eight right it's like five modern yeah. day one I think coach it's seven and two seniors or something like that so i mean i if it's a one-time thing and yeah. they do it every hundred years cool if it's a one-time thing and it's Basically, so to get senior players in, then I'm for that. Here it is, right and here. From what I'm reading, that's what it. That's what it's going to end up being. A senior, ma- a senior candidate is somebody who's 25 years removed. Okay, I, I can live with that. If as, so, if, if that we're not would... doing like the last 10 years, right. then good. So the regular Hall of Fame induction in August is going to stay exactly the same. They're going to go through the same process where they go from 100 guys to 15 guys. And then those guys get voted on. This is going to affect, and this is going to, from what it says, uh, September 17th, 2020 is the centennial celebration at the Hall of Fame. This is going to be an opportunity for those guys to get in. Here's the problem. You mentioned this list of guys who kind of, let's assume that we're talking about guys who kind of like paved the way sort of a thing, right? So we're talking like the 60s, 70s, that kind of thing. 25 years ago was 1994. We were watching football in 1994. So that just tells me that guys who are going to qualify for the uh, legends or whatever the the senior yeah i'm sorry the senior committee they're guys that we watched play i i don't i mean it'll be interesting to see dave baker in the article says that he anticipates this being approved he's been actually talking about it for a couple years now um I don't know if you've ever heard david baker speak um if you've ever seen him in real life he is a towering large man and he is the friendliest guy ever. He's like a bear. He is. But a nice bear. He's done so much for the Hall of Fame. He's done so much for the city of Canton. Um, he's been instrumental in working on getting the Hall of Fame village going. So if David Baker says it's a good idea and this is what he wants to do moving forward, I'll, I'll back him 100%. He's done too much for me to question the decision-making process that, that he's done since he became the president of the Hall of Fame. So 
I, I he has my full backing. I'd like to see the pool of candidates first, well, or my, get a better idea of who they're considering before I jump in with it being a great idea. My question, and I don't even hate the idea, but my question is, and we'll, I'm just going to pick two names, especially two that I've heard on you know NFL radio that get talked about. Why is it so important that guys like Ken Anderson and Randy Gradishar get in now versus when they were originally eligible? Why is it so much more important to get them in now versus then? I think a lot of it, to be completely honest, is they don't like the idea of posthumous inductions. Um, so obviously Pat Bolin is going to be an exception. you got guys like, and I am not trying to be ignorant, was Junior Seau inducted prior to his death? No, he was okay. after. So his daughter accepted that's and right. gave the speech. But so I think the big thing for them is they want to get all these guys in before they pass. Um Ray Guy died shortly after he was inducted, I believe. Uh, Kenny Stabler was not, he's not in, I don't believe, and he passed away before his chance kind of came. He's, so I, I'm almost positive he went in a couple years he, ago. You know what, you're right. But so I think their big thing is they want to try to get all these things to happen before these guys ultimately pass away. Um, because I think as the game is growing and as the popular, like, I mean, the talent level is, is certainly as good as it's been. I won't say it's better than it was before, but I think it's a way for them to want to honor the past while kind of realizing that the future is not going to get any worse, so your your the logjam is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right, you're when guys like creating more problems. Right, but a guy like um, sixteen, sixteen what? Stabler. Oh, he went in in sixteen. Yep. So, like, let's talk about. I mean, Megatron. He retired what four ish years ago, somewhere along the line. 13, so somewhere fourteen. Boom. He's he's automatically in. When a guy like AJ Green, and I'm I'm just throwing out names. I'm not suggesting that they're right. right. I, I but like a, a Michael Thomas down in New Orleans, uh, a Tyreek Hill, a, Ty, a T.Y. Hilton, a Julian Edelman. When these guys start retiring, like the talk, the clock automatically starts ticking on them going in. Maybe so. It, it, it's it's kind of if if the focus oh. is mainly to try to get all these guys in before kind of the logjam gets larger. I guess I, I can believe that. One but. question. Are we overdoing the first ballot Hall of Famers? I think it's it's one of the most unrealistically important things in people's minds. Like is a I Hall agree. of Famer in his seventh year is still a Hall of Famer. That I makes agree. Sense. Because after they get in on the first ballot, they're not really. Do, you, do we still reference them as that? Like six, no. seven years later? No. No. I mean, if I give you a list of guys, you could probably pick out maybe three fourths that you know absolutely were first ballot guys. Yeah, I'm maybe. sure there were some first ballot guys. Tim you're like, Brown. You're like, really? First ballot guys? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure there is. Wasn't, um, uh, what's his name from the Jets? Curtis Martin. Wasn't he a first ballot guy? No. Don't know. I don't think so. Here's the thing, too, is is as a player, you're kind of at the mercy of who retires with you. So That's true. If you are in a class with Brett Favre and you're a quarterback, you're probably not getting in no. in, in first year of eligibility, which... I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Like, you weren't as good as Brett Favre was. You still he, played at a Hall of Fame level, but you just weren't Brett Favre. I think he went in the same year as Stabler, 2016. Brett Favre? Yeah, I was at that one. Oh. I like Kenny Stabler. I'm glad he's in. Yeah, me too. It looks like yeah. in his second year of eligibility. Hopefully, hopefully if, I'm, if I'm lucky, no, I, uh, I get to go to the Gold Jacket and shine my dinner this year, too. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You're I'll, a Hall of Famer in my mind. I'll do a Facebook Live video from the Hall of Fame. That is excellent, and I hope you get to do that. I met Bettis last year and cried like a little baby. I had Thurman Thomas making fun of me. You know what? I'd, I'd be like, dude, make rip me. Roast me now. <laughs> it was so great. I cannot wait until we do this. We should do like a, a Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame segment where oh, we take the class. Like we take guys that are in there. Should they be or should they not be? And is Frank and then, Moore going who, to get in? <laughs> I, I, you know what? Julian Edelman. 
Asinine. Asinine. <laughs> I think I think Edelman's a little more asinine. I just I'm not getting into this right now. <laughs> Let's save it. I, I'm the champion against Frank Gore. I have nothing against him as a person or a player. Just that like, he was he's been consistent in the league. He's the he's Hall undis- of Very. He is the the mascot for the Hall of Very Good. <laughs> About to be like the second all time leading rusher in the league. Great. He played for 15 years. If, and, and then you're going to get his son for another 15. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who's his son? Frank Gore Jr. Where's he at? Uh, I think he's a... F- oh, God, he's, he's either a senior in high school or a freshman. In somewhere. Oh. Somewhere. I, I we'll just see if re- he even gets there. I just He'll recently play caught with his on. Dad. They'll have the same <laughs> backfield. <laughs> They'll share the same backfield. <laughs> he's, like, he's like LeBron. you got the wow. Griffies, the LeBrons, and the, and the and Gores. The Gores. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, you guys want to go to the wrestling question? Yes, yes How are we doing on time? Uh, we're about hour 13 right now. All right. So we'll do the wrestling question and then see where we're at. Don't forget we, we kind of had the – Oh, yes. Plus we, we talked about the Mount Rushmore – of uh of our top oh, do you want to just do that sport. or do you want to save that for the next one let's uh, do that next okay. time okay. let's do the wrestling question andy and i are going to make an announcement and then okay all right yeah because this the, maybe the wrestling question will take up a lot of time who knows i'll have to see if i could download a drum roll <laughs> <laughs> all right so or um, we can just use john's magic tongue boom boom <laughs> boom <laughs> that was a sweet sound effect that was terrifying <laughs> <laughs> all right so for the wrestling question, I didn't write this down, but it was one that I had considered because I had thought of making a grab bag category, and this was going to be one of them, but like I said, homework last minute didn't quite get finished, hectic life. So for the wrestling question is, name the ECW talent that you think was most misused by Vince McMahon. Oh, Bam, God. bam, Bigelow. We could have an entire show about this. Yes, but just the most, the number one, the bam, top. Bam, Bigelow. Tommy Dreamer. Hands down. Okay. Hands down. Here's, okay. So this is, we're going to parlay this back to the Hall of Fame conversation we just had. The fact that there is not an ECW wing in the WWE Hall of Fame is not only a sham, but it's an absolute slap in the face to everybody that was ever an ECW original. We're talking the Dudley Boys, Taz, Sabu, Sandman, Dreamer. um, I mean, you can go on and on. Raven. So I get it one of the perks of buying your competition is you get to control what to do with them and how they're marketed or represented or what have you. Sure. The fact that Sting is in the WWE Hall of Fame having wrestled a grand total of two matches for the promotion, but they're going to bastardize guys like the Dudleys who went in as WWE Hall of Famers. But, I mean, it, it just it, it irritates me. So, number one, there needs to be a physical building for a WWE Hall of Fame. I would go every year. They, I mean, you want to talk about a revenue stream? I can't even tell you how many hardcore wrestling fans would sell their homes to be able to to, to finance a trip. How they the do WWE it for Hall WrestleMania? Yeah. Absolutely, that's fair. And that's, I mean, that's that's just the here and the now. We're talking. You have a warehouse full of nostalgia, memorabilia, whatever you want. People would come from all around the world to see that. However, the caveat to that is if you're going to do it, do it right. Have an attitude error wing have a WCW wing, have an ECW wing, honor the guys that actually paved the way for a lot of what we see now, and actually embrace the history of the per- of the product that you purchased. Like, you don't just bury the fact that WCW went against you for years and years and years. You don't just bury the fact that ECW was kind of that, that loud noise in the corner that you kept having to pay attention to but didn't really want to. 
you like Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, there's a reason they're running your programs right now. They know what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they want to take the, the, the things that they were able to create and, and develop and, and, and mold and just throw those under the rug like they never happened is just an absolute sham. And it, it sickens me as an actual wrestling fan to look at that kind of stuff because, again, I watched all three promotions. WWE was by far the one I paid attention to the most because it was the one that kind of hooked me the most. But you cannot have the hardcore championship if ECW doesn't exist. You cannot have brand splits and two world champions if WCW doesn't exist. You have to honor and at least acknowledge the fact that these things played a part in building your franchises to what it is now. All right, just to circle back to the original question, why Tommy Dreamer? I feel like if you had to pick one guy who represented ECW outside of Paul Heyman, it was Tommy Dreamer. He was always there. He was kind of always the, the, the drum banger. He never left for WWE or, ECW, or, or WCW, whereas guys like the Dudleys, guys like Taz, guys like Raven, kind of, he kind of came later, but they saw the writing on the wall, so to speak, and went sure. to a big money contract. Tommy Dreamer was loyal to ECW. Tommy Dreamer still is loyal to ECW. It's kind of the reason that his relationship with WWE is so fractured. And he's never going to get the just due that he deserves. He'll never be into the Hall of Fame. Never. Never, never, never. There, right? there was a story that came out not that long ago about how he was going to, was it Paul Heyman he was going to kill? He wanted to yeah. show up at yeah. the show and jump the rail. And literally and murder and Paul, Paul Heyman. Heyman and himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, not I mean, that's not a joke. It's not funny. Like, we're not trying to make light of that. But that, like... That's how peeved this man is about everything that happened. Like, he put his literal blood, sweat, and tears into the ECW promotion, and Paul Heyman kind of just cast him off to the side. And again, these guys are businessmen. They see the writing on the wall. They know what the, the goings on and whatnot. But I don't know. Dreamer's always just kind of been the guy, the, the ECW bell ringer to me. It was nice to see him, you know, in the AEW, too. See him come out and perform a little bit in the, the hardcore battle royale that they had. Um, he's got a lot to offer, so I'm sure he's they, they could utilize him behind the scenes to you know grow their product as well. And I'm sure he's out to get the WWE. Sam or Ryan, do you have an alternative? Bam Bam Bigelow. Any reason why? Oh yeah, I guess I could follow that. Up. So <laughs> when you looked at Bam Bam Bigelow, you saw just a big dude. He was what 400 pounds, 380 like pounds, yeah. like seven foot tall. He was humongous. From Asbury Park, New Jersey. From Asbury Park, New Jersey. But when he was in the ring, I swear to you, the man moved like he was, you know, the cruiserweights. Like Vader a lot. I I mean, (laughs) just just the way he was, you know, jumping up on the top turnbuckles and doing the moonsaults. And it was just something, you know, on top of the, you know, extreme wrestling, he just did something that you just never could associate with a guy his size. Vader aside, but Vader was a Vader was, only really Vader, did the, the, the Vader, the Vader song. Vader was not quite as lethal. No, as, absolutely as not. Bam Bam Bigelow, and he was just one of those guys that you know he made it to the show, and then you know he was just kind of there for a minute. And then, it reminded me a lot of like the Big Boss Man. Big Boss Man was a big guy who was kind of agile too. Yeah, but even to, to Sam's point, Bam Bam did some things that you like a man that size sh- physically shouldn't be able. <laughs> and to And I do. mean, there are so many guys that you can see that are just like oozing with his inspiration you've got like the viking raiders and you've got literally the one guy that jumps and does the suicide dives and the suicidos over the rope and stuff and it's just like bam bam did that and it was just one of those things it was just like holy shit this dude's 400 pounds and he's flying like he's 200 the only 
I guess criticism I would have to that to that take is I always associate Bam Bam as a WCW guy. That's fair. So that, I mean, your point is is very well made, but. I mean, I, I look at Bam Bam, I look at Bret Hart the same way. They're WCW guys to me because when I started watching, that's where they that's, were. That's, that's where they spent the bulk of their careers. Uh, I guess the, if I had to pick a guy in for way less detailed reasons would probably be Taz. Agreed. I just, yeah, even since the day that he came in, I was just like, they don't know what to do with him. They pushed him really hard and his 13 kept popping up on the jumbotron yes. and, and, and all that hurt. kind of stuff. And then he got hurt like almost then, instantly. Yeah. He couldn't do much after I'm that, pretty sure so. it was the mat, his debut match. He got hurt against Kurt angle. So I don't know if that was the WWE thing or if that was just a really bad timing and circumstances. Cause he never wrestled after that. Very, I mean, he, I, he I did, he, but not much. It was like no. for about a year he participated. In he things, was kind but, of involved in that hardcore division where it was like, Literally, the belt would change hands every two minutes, mm-hmm. like in the bathroom or at the airport. And that was fun. Which was fun. But at the time, yeah. You could say the same thing for Raven. You could say the same thing for, I mean, Sabu and Sandman never even made it into WWE. No. They, no. they were blackballed almost immediately. Now, those are two names that I would also throw out instead of Tommy Dreamer if you had to make an argument. But, I mean, even guys like the Dudleys, you know, they came in. They, they, they immediately scrapped everything about ECW. They, they stopped the Bubba stuttering. They stopped the... The, the whole Dudley family thing. Like I thought they just, did the Bubba stuttering for a little bit. They did for a little bit, but okay. it, within a couple months, it was gone with no explanation. Bubba Ray is just so good. He really is. That's yeah. my favorite tag team he's, growing up. I think he's extremely underrated with what he did inside the ring, on the microphone, outside the ring. And even now, he's got a podcast. And if you ever listen to it, it's a really, really good listen. I was very bummed when they did the first brand slit and they split them up and then Stupid. you had Reverend Devon. Stupid. Like, give me a break. That 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 is a perfect example of Vince trying to control how you perceive talent from other places. Yeah. That's one if, if Vince didn't come up with a gimmick, he doesn't like it. The only good thing that came out of that whole nonsense scenario was the Batista. fact that it introduced us to Batista. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a silver lining. Silver lining in that aspect. But even still, I just it, it irks me, and I, I clearly I got a little more worked up than I probably needed to. But <laughs> you are it is mad. A, it is a point of contention of mine that it's it's. How much does it kill you inside that all those good ideas that you shared with us today are never going to happen? I, I I've come to grips with it. Okay. The the worst part is they had a golden opportunity. Literally, this this played out perfectly when Vince bought WCW slash ECW. They had the whole invasion angle, and it was the worst thing ever oh, because it was. Awful. It was because it was centered on the McMahons, it was centered on Steph and Shane versus Vince, which is always, anytime the McMahons can get on TV in front of the camera, they think it's gold on the air. It's not. You ruined the invasion angle. You caused just guys to just lose their faith in the company. It led to Chris Canyon killing himself because they they looked at him as this throwaway commodity from ECW that would never make it with the crowd. Chris Canyon in WCW was not a joke. He didn't wear a t-shirt that said MVP for the the invasion angle. Like, it was just constant, like, throwing guys under the bus and and giving them these stupid gimmicks that were never supposed to work because they worked for a rival company. Guys like Booker T, guys like... um, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit. Buried his first night on the show. They all overcame the fact that Vince was trying to ruin them. And it's it's a testament to their abilities and their talents that they were able to kind of 
take what Vince was giving them, run with it, and overcome it. Jericho might be the most... Uh, he's a case study for how to develop a character. You could say, Jericho, your gimmick is a janitor, and he'll come out with mops and brooms and make you cheer for him. He will wrestle that mop, and it'll be match of the year. And he'll come up with a catchy catchphrase. And it, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Anything. Can't stop and the mop. To what Sam just Can't said. Stop the mop. <laughs> Perry Saturn. We associate him with WCW, and he yep. was given a mop as his tag yep. team partner. Wasn't that partly because he got too tough with a undercard match? Yeah. And so that was his that punishment? Was, that was... That was part of it, yes. Okay. But it, it's also kind of a giant middle finger. But I'm sure Vince. Vince had no problem doing oh, it. Oh, not at like, all. Like, he was excited to do it. But to Sam's point... The, like, Same thing with Dean Malenko. They made him a perv. Yeah. Yes. That whole... The, the only... I mean, Guerrero and Benoit... Guerrero's another name that I, I, I forgot, and I apologize. He obviously overcame the fact that they brought him in as this, like, skeezy, like, Latino, like... Which every, was cool. Every Mexican stereotype Everything him and Chavo were put in. But Eddie pulled it off. B- because he Eddie was, had he the charisma to just any charismatic yeah. guy. But to Sam's point, and, and you're talking about what you said about Taz, they ran the vignettes for Je- uh, for Chris Jericho months Forever. before he de- before he debuted. The countdown clock. He yeah. comes on to Raw... He goes out in front of the in, in front of the audience. They know who he is because they're not stupid. They watch Nitro and, and Thunder, and you know he does his whole spiel. And The Rock shits all over his gimmick. The yes. second he speaks, you have the top WWF guy, WWF at the time guy, who just absolutely buried the up and comer from DC from WCW because he was an outside guy. Yep. And that that case in point is is Vince's views on the talent level and the in in the, the things that he can get out of the guys from ECW and WCW. You know what's another good name? Uh uh Shane Helms that he, they put he him turned, in a superhero. They turned him yeah. into the hurricane. Now I love the hurricane. And gimmick. he and I he owned it. Yeah, he ran with he it. He owned it and he and you know he un- ended up making something out of it, but that's another that's another one. You I mean And he did the vertebraker. Yes. And he had a choke awesome slam, which they yes. also banned. Yes. But you could we could literally do an entire episode on just how the whole invasion angle went wrong. It was good. I'd for, love to do that episode. It was good for five seconds when we thought Paul Heyman was in control of a third entity. But think about it again. Who who was the the team captain for WCW? Shane Stone Cold. Oh, a WWF guy. Because they turned it into the Alliance. Exactly. Oh, yeah. gotcha. So that again, it's got it, it had a perfect storyline, but Vince put his fingerprints all over it, like what they do in the Super Bowl when every player gets to touch the trophy. It drives me crazy. He just fingerprints all over the stupid thing. But it was Vince's master puppetry in the back going, okay, WCW is cool, but you know what's cooler? WCW led by a WWF guy. Yeah. All right. We're going to cut you off right there, John, because I feel like we could go on. (laughs) I know. I kind of want to keep going, but I kind of just want to listen to him, too. (laughs) This this is a On the next episode, we will definitely have a wrestling category. All right. So you guys have been teasing the whole time about there being some kind of special announcement. Let's hear it. Sam, take it away. All right. So Andy and I have been kind of working in the dark for the better part of a month or so. Yes, dancing in the dark as well. So we are planning this year-long, maybe not quite a year-long, season-long updates to what we are going to do is we are going to do our own spin on a mock draft. The way this is going to work is now that we're right upon training camp, we're getting ready to, you know, unleash the first one. So the way this is going to work throughout the season, we are going to, you know, decide upon a draft order for the beginning. You know, we're kind of building our way backwards who we think is going to win the Super Bowl and kind of work our way back 
Los Angeles Best Rams. to worst. And Andy's going to do a draft. I'm going to do a draft. And then we're going to swap. And we're going to react to each other's mocks. And that's what we're going to post is our reaction to each other's mocks. So we are going to interesting. So we are going to update this periodically throughout the season at certain points that we haven't decided yet, and it's going to culminate with what we are going to hope is a get together, and we are going to do a Facebook Live video. We are going to do a head-to-head mock on the spot, and we're going to do two of them. We're going to flip a coin to decide who picks first, and we're literally just going to alternate picks, and then we're going to redo it with the but opposite. opposite. So that's going to probably happen. Somewhere, Maybe, somewhere close to the actual very draft. Very close to the actual draft, but it's all going to lead up draft to night. this. That may be a little amb- do ambitious. A draft but <laughs> Not draft night. We'll get all of, the ratings versus the We're big kind guys. of figuring that throughout this process we'll really get a good opportunity to study players because ultimately, outside of actually watching football, that's what I'm super into is getting ready for the draft and reading about the players and watching the videos of the players. And it's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's something that I know we like to pour hours into. So sure, definitely something that we are looking forward to and really, really hoping you guys can enjoy because, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry has a mock draft, but we're going to kind of spin this on its head. I like it. I like it. Super down. And where can they uh, find all this information at, Andy? Oh, you can definitely find all this information and more at facebook.com slash sports. Don't forget to like the page so that you can get updates every single day. Well, maybe not every single day, but you are going to get updates that you're definitely going to want to like, share, and favorite. I love it. I love it, too. I like it. All right, guys. That's going to do it for us for today. Um, Stay tuned for all the stuff coming up on social media. And until next time, turn up the voice.